0: The only toll free call in webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans. Celtics Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston sports. Also, don't forget to follow us on on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke, as well as all of the CLNS Radio network at CLNS Radio. There's also a Facebook page. We'll get into that a little bit later. But, John, I know I just love to talk about the network. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, not to mention uh, Angel Stevens getting extended. Oklahoma City, Golden State putting Durant back in the mix, maybe we're gonna talk about that. And then I know we kicked off the last show with Jalen Brown making a little move on Dragon Bender, but since we did our last show, Marquise Chris just making the leap, no doubt, from I think projected number eight to number three. You got to wonder what what Draft Express knows because you know I've talked about this. They don't just make changes in that without some information justifying it, and that is quite a leap, my friend.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, those those guys are well sourced. They talk to everybody. They they talk to more people than than anybody else. You you know, <laughs> you look at those draft boards going back to year you know years back. They are far more accurate than anyone out there. So there's got to be a, some piece of information, something that's out there that makes them think that we gotta we gotta make change and and you know not just Chris coming up but but a whole bunch of other things kind of going around with that. Um, I think that. We should talk a little about the Sean Devaney piece that uh, Larry H. Russell talked with with Sean as well. Um, but the piece that that Sean put together not only talked about Jalen Brown's workout, but also the interest Marquise Chris has generated in Sacramento, his home city. So you know you start putting some pieces together, this and that, here and there, up and down. You know, th- there's a lot of different intriguing angles to look at here. And then, also, oh, also one thing we didn't talk about before the show is this weird kind of trade rumory type thing that seemed to have popped up uh, about Chicago. And uh, I don't think it's sourced. I don't think there's anything you know that you can really point to about it. But basically, saying Bradley three and sixteen to Chicago, or excuse me, three and twenty-three uh, with Djerebko to Chicago for for. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Now, again, what does that mean? Who the heck knows? We all can play with a trade checker. Either, either way, so much to talk about, so many different storylines, so many different things, so many different avenues the Celtics could
0: take. Uh, it's it's going to be a wild ride. Oh, yeah, it is definitely going to be a wild ride. Why don't we just talk, why don't we do something a little league-wide before we dive into the Celtics? Because you know it's going to bring up durant conversations and it does tie in uh, you know we want to maybe see the celtics do a similar setup as they did before trade and then you know we will count uh, garnett as a as a uh, free agent acquisition because he had to he had to waive it right to get that trade to go through so we want to we want to see maybe a, a similar move and so butler plays the part uh, and plays it better than ray allen And then uh, maybe Kevin Durant plays the part of Kevin Garnett, you know, because of the last time this went went around and and a championship came to Boston. But let's go to that OKC Golden State Series. And I will say it was interesting. You mentioned uh, that Larry H. Russell – On CLNS Radio, Celtics beat, had Sean Devaney on, but also uh, has been contributing to the YouTube channel, and you can find all the CLNS Radio uh, YouTube videos at youtube.com backslash CLNS Radio. But that series was maybe one of the all-time series, and Larry used that to launch into a video of the five non-NBA Finals best series. Uh, And it's it's definitely a good look, and yes, the Celtics are on that list, Definitely an older Celtics team going back a little bit. No, the Paul Pierce versus LeBron showdown did not make the top five, although that game probably would make a top five of non-NBA finals games. I mean, that that shootout was amazing back in 07 and, and really just a joy to watch. But that series overall did not make the list, but you guys should all go and check it out. Colossal... Well, I don't want to say meltdown. Um, I don't, I'm not sure that you can say that Oklahoma City melted down. I mean, it's the same thing you're seeing at the beginning of this series. I'm not surprised at all that Cleveland's gone down 0-2. Um, this Warriors team, the Dubs have been legit all year long. Maybe a little bit of a hiccup, a little rust that they had to shake off early in that OKC because What was everybody saying? right? Everybody was talking about how Steph Curry was, was still injured and that injury was being hidden, etc. Well, they wind up taking three games straight after being down 3-1, take the series 4-3. Maybe Durant's back in the mix, John? I don't know. I mean, certainly seems like you would think that that would, uh, you know, when we watched Oak- Oklahoma City take control of that series, we thought for certain it was the end of this little pipe dream.
1: Yeah, it would. It was going down three-one. It doesn't seem all that likely. Uh, you know, you get to the finals. You know, that, that's that's a, and and you know who you're going to face in Cleveland. You got to feel pretty good if you're if you're LeBron James to to go in, or excuse me, if you're Kevin Durant to face LeBron James in the finals. Now flip that on its on its head. The the Warriors win three in a row, and. I, are you seriously going to look back there? I mean, uh, Mike Gorman. Devastating, the, yeah, right? I mean, you look. Mike Gorman made the point today: is you know, do you want to be the last guy out the door, or do you want to be the first guy out the door? And you know, Westbrook. Basically, the whole reason that Durant goes back is Westbrook. And That's let's let's loyalty. This it loyalty. really does right. But it, if if Westbrook's that not there, that team. Is not in the same conversation as it has been, right? I mean, I think we but can he's all agree. Triple double. He almost averaged a triple double for the entire season, right? I, I, putting aside his craziness for a second, I'm going to get back to that. But he is he is legitimate. He was third in the, the, the MVP voting for a lot of people. Uh, he, he was just he had an outstanding year, two years in a row. Great, great, great player. Top five player in the league, I believe. But, however, that instability from that, from that player is really difficult to rely upon. And he's going to be a free agent 12 months from now. And Kevin Durant is going to have to make a decision for his future as to what he's going to do. Now, he could do the one and one Everyone and their brother says, well, he's going to take a year, and, and that will be his contract, and then he'll have the option to renew, and then that's the most money, and da 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 All true. All true. However, you're going to go back down that road with with Westbrook. Do you think you're going to fall into that? Are the Spurs going to be better next year? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I mean, they've got some big decisions to make with some older players. The Warriors are going to be better. But look at some of the other teams coming up. Do you think Houston's going to fall apart like they did this year? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I don't think that... Portland's the scary one to me. Portland, I, I mean, I thought the scary they did,
0: did such a nice job this year.
1: Yes, yes. So I think, you know, absolutely Oklahoma City is, is if he goes back, they're, you know, they are going to be right there, top three, four in the league. But there are there are questions. Let's not make it sound like it's just this automatic if if it wasn't automatic there wouldn't be we wouldn't be having this conversation it would be a faded accompli. you know we we would know basically but there's a reason why this this trickle of information about him opting out and looking around and doing all this has happened it's not because we're trying to create leverage he already has all the leverage over oklahoma city there's nothing that he can create differently this is about him really gauging whether he wants to leave or not. I think you have to think that. I don't think this is as obvious
0: as as some believe it to be. Even with... well, he says uh, he's, he's not going to go on tour, and it's not like who that's not who he is, and right. and whatnot. But it doesn't mean he's not listening. He may not go on a stage, and when he says that's not who I am, he's he's <laughs> that's got to be a shot at LeBron, in my opinion. Absolutely. I know, you, you know, it, it may not have been in, intentionally done, like right in the moment. But that's what you know. Come on, that's a shot at LeBron, and he is. He is a completely different personality. I mean, he's, he's humble. He has some humility. And, you know, he's an absolute, you know, dominant force on the basketball court. Were it not for the injuries, I mean, he kind of fell off. I did read a nice article. I wish I could remember where it was. Oh, you know what it was? It was Bill Simmons in his new outlet. And he made a really nice point about Nike and the brand and how, you know, just not too long ago, Kevin Durant was at the heart of that, and now this absolutely has to be factoring in on some level as a businessman, right? Maybe not as a basketball player, but as a businessman, this is a consideration. And, you know, it could be really tough on him. He wants to – everything that we've read says he wants to sign somewhere and he wants to stay there. You know, he's got a lot of Kevin Garnett – type qualities in terms of his loyalty and his dedication and his commitment to try to stay in one place. And, you know, um, that that's admirable. Those are all admirable qualities. But I don't think that it means that he won't look to make a move. To your point, the last thing he would want to do is get stuck in a, re, uh, in a pre-rebuilding scenario, which is essentially what you just described. And was that not what happened to Kevin Garnett? Did Kevin Garnett not miss you know, numerous years um, where he could have been on a better team and maybe had more championship runs, and then eventually because the pieces were in place for Boston, he came. I hate to keep drawing that parallel, but it's real. Because if Kevin Durant signs an extension in OKC and Wessel Westbrook does flake out on him and move on, you're right, dude. He's going to end up missing out on fighting for championships, especially because he's staying out west. You know, in the East... You know, you could suffer something like that and Durant might still take you to the Eastern Conference Finals. DeBron's done it, right? But you're not getting away with that out west. And the Celtics, as we know from this past week, have done everything that they can to try and make sure that their position that if Kevin Durant starts to think that way, that they are a viable option. They got the picks. You know all the assets, everything everybody's already talked about. But then they did a really nice thing, and they extended Age and Stevens. And by all accounts, that kind of stability—well, first off, let's just let's just give the Celtics kudos. That kind of stability is unprecedented in the NBA period, other than the Spurs. Unprecedented. Right. That's right. And, and look at the Spurs, right? This is the Spurs East. There, you know, we've already heard how many parallels between Stevens and Popovich over the course of the the last maybe eighteen months. You know, coming out at running plays out of timeouts, and I mean the only real shortcoming is minutes management. But all these players are under the age of 27, so minutes management really shouldn't be a, the issue that it is in San Antonio for Brad Stevens. I, I'm not even sure that, you know, you could throw that one out the window. Maybe as this team ages, you know, he will take that kind of uh, an approach, especially once Danny can can get him some depth and gets this gets this youth movement to a point where it's matured.
1: Yeah, no, that the the, the re-signings. They, they send the signal, they send the signal to everyone far and wide that this is a team that is interested in basketball, right? And, and I think a, a great – I saw Scalabrini did a, his White Mamba Minute there for for the vertical this week, and he was talking about, you know, what are the best cities, you know? And, of course, he mentions Miami. He mentions Houston because of the clubbing scene, you know. But then he says, what are the best places for basketball, and what does he say? He says Boston. Boston first, then Utah. Now, that then Utah. that's Utah.
0: That, yeah. Really? Well, I,
1: he was talking about climbing and stuff. I think this is really his, his view. But if you really look at it from a basketball perspective, all right, is, is Golden State going to blow up what they have right now for a chance to win 75 games as opposed to 73? You know, that's that's what we're really talking about. You know, I don't believe they're going to do that. I don't think, as interested as they would be in Durant, I don't think they would or should
0: do that. I don't think San Antonio is going to do this. Why would thing. they mess with a good thing? Exactly. I mean, I understand the reason that it's attractive to even talk about, and I'm sure Durant would consider it, but you're right. That is a fantastic point. You know, what are you going to push right now? You're in the driver's seat and you're gonna really F with some majorly good chemistry. And if anybody could go onto that club and still be humble and, you know, be able to fit in and, and kind of take a little bit of a lesser role on a bigger team, I will say Durant's the guy to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could but but
1: d I mean, I think that he is again this is we're we're all jumping right into the whole you know <laughs> climb into his brain on this one. but my belief, just as you said right at the outset of this of this part of it he's he's a humble guy. he's got pride, but but he's humble and he's focused on the game of basketball. He's not interested in the glitz, the glamor, the the things that that really brought shaq to l a, um you know the things that really kind of Pull people to those those starry eyed places i don 't think that Kevin Durant is that guy. You may remember the the summer that LeBron was you know the, the 2010 summer when uh, you know he was going to become a free agent and all this Durant signs a contract, a renewal that summer, an extension that would keep him obviously until this year and so forth and it was done with a simple tweet, no, you know, and, and a lot of people, I uh, drew the comparison, which is you've got one guy who's, you know, obviously preening in front of the TV and all this, Kevin Durant, simply, quietly, I'm just doing it, and that's it. I don't think he wants the show, but what he wants is stability. He wants to win, he wants to be successful. And Oklahoma City has been a successful place for him. Let's give them credit. But what is the future there? If Westbrook will leave, and there's a lot of people who think he's going to leave, Mike Gorman for one, he thinks he's he's out, he's gone, he's going to L.A. next year. Why bother? Why not establish your new base right here, right now, and get things going? If you're going to leave in a year, you might as well establish it now. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's. I don't think any of us would think it's. A, a more likely than not scenario he comes to Boston. Right? I it think it looks likely
0: he's right where he is. But it would be crazy, there? but hold on. Wouldn't it be crazy and awesome for the NBA for the storyline to go, you were up three to one on Golden State. Durant takes off, then Westbrook takes off, and then the next thing you know, the Lakers somehow get good enough to get by Golden State. Boston finally gets good enough to get by Cleveland. You have the Lakers-Celtics rivalry again, only with the added benefit of Westbrook facing Durant. Mm -hmm. Right? There was only, you know, only four years ago, we were all here talking about, you know, whether or not they were both going to sign extensions and their contracts came up staggered years and the rumors were, I mean, believe me, the, 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 the NBA media hype would be off the charts for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially with the added benefit of Lakers-Celtics.
1: Yep, yep.
0: No, and that, and, and they're going to be
1: primed at that point. You know, you look a year down the road, you've got what's going on with Russell, you've got, you know, now two good years under the belt for Randall, um, you know, Clarkson's going to be there, and then who knows who if they end up with Ingram or what have you. I mean, you've got some players there you can work with um you may end up making some deals or whatever but but they're in a good position if if russell wants to go there they're going to be in a good position to build a a decent team around him i don't know if they'll get past golden state at that point but i think they could be close they could be
0: they could just wait and see what happens though you just don't know right that's right i mean you know the clippers are probably going to hang on for another year or two but their their demise is yeah. coming. It you is. I mean? They're gonna they're gonna hang, but their demise is coming. Portland's on the rise, no doubt. You know a team. You know who Dallas is a wild card, right? Because you feel like they're just gonna bomb <laughs> every year. You can, feel that way, <laughs> and it doesn't happen, right? Right. They just right. hang in there, but they could suffer the the curse of mediocrity. That's that's certainly a, a possibility. But Portland's on the rise. But really, you know, we've seen the Lakers organization make drastic turnarounds. And, you know, they've got young players that are already developing. I mean, I know you said Jordan Clarkson, you know, but they have uh, uh, Julius Randle. They've got some pieces there that if those players become, I mean, how many times have they picked in the top three recently Uh, during Kobe's Exodus tour? You know what I mean? If Kobe had carried that team to mediocrity, you know for several years in a row they wouldn't have nearly the the assets they have but you know they've you're right they have some pieces there those could be pieces that they package and trade but LA is always going to be a destination for a free agent and they're going to have cap space too right and maybe they sit on that cap space for a couple of years until they have that premier person like Westbrook while the young core gets better i mean look what look what LeBron did cleveland was a seller dweller and then he saw the pieces kind of coming together and he thought, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm just going to go home. And now they're, you know, right at the Eastern Conference Finals. You're telling me that Westbrook, who again, nearly with a few couple more rebounds per game. I know he's not really that close, but he's basically the closest to averaging a triple double this season. You're telling me that his impact on the Lakers wouldn't be similar to LeBron's impact on on Cleveland, now I understand he's out west. But I'm just saying, if that vaults them up that fast, they could be a hot ticket rising. And if LA does a great job and they don't waste and squander their cap space, that could be that could be prime in two or three years. Yeah. Well, and and it goes back to
1: what is what is it that Westbrook wants, right? I mean, is, does he want the fashion line? Does he want the? I mean, he's you know played at UCLA. I mean, that's you know he's a West Coast guy. If if the draw there, it's it's not so much about Durant. I think people focus so much on what Durant wants. I think Durant Durant wants to win, but if if his prospects for winning in in Oklahoma City are dimmer than they appear because Westbrook's instability, uh, uh, either as a player and and a playmaker really more appropriately or as, as his you know, kind of itchy finger about wanting to be there. Well, you can see a path for him to leave. I'm not saying it, it means it goes to Boston. But there's just so much, I feel, a lot of, you know, disregarding and, and tossing aside that it's just no shot, no shot. You know, they were so they almost beat the Warriors.
0: Yeah, well they lost
1: they lost after being up three one. And you know, yes, there's some possibilities there, but, but they're gonna have to have a huge payroll if they re all these guys. I mean, epic payroll, right? You're going to max out Durant. You're going to max out Westbrook. You're going you're to have to pay. You already paid a big-time to cantor. You're going to have to pay this summer uh, Dion Waiters. You're going to have to pay this summer Stephen Adams. I mean, that's a huge, huge check to have to write. And I know that you know maybe that they're trying to change their profile and you know spend the money now, whereas they were trying to save with the whole Harden deal they're going to be putting everyone else to shame if they re-sign all those players. So it's, their path to make deals and everything is really limited. I don't think, you know, on the first blush, yeah, you'd want to say and everything's good. But I think if you really look at it, the, the situation is much more complicated for Oklahoma City than I think people are letting on.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it is a lot more complicated. And you have to wonder if Duran and Westbrook are going to have a talk. Right. You know, like, listen, man, I got to know, you know what I mean? You got to sit down, you got to tell me, I got to know. Because if you're not here next year, you know, well, quite frankly, dude, you and I are not going to be friends. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? I'd, you know, you yeah. you can hang out a year, but you know, but 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 that's why everybody is betting on the uh the two-year deal with the one-year out clause. He gets to be dedicated to Westbrook. Right. And I don't think the Celtics are necessarily banking on using that cap space this summer. I think they'll be very smart. Um I think I remember Steve Ballpet on this show in his most recent interview saying that the Celtics are very smart and they don't just spend money to spend money or or make a big splash and then we saw Quotes in the paper uh, from the uh, Ainge and Stevens, you know, uh, press um, conference talking about how you know we're not we're about you know winning championships. We're not about making the big splash. Those are great things to hear. You know, so so it may not be this summer for Durant, but they're building the new practice facility, and supposedly Durant's put out you know a list of of. You know, player demand, so to speak. These are the yeah. guys I'd like to play with. That's not a guy who's saying I'm committed to OKC. If that's true, <laughs> you know, I don't sure. know that that got a hundred percent validated, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, another thing that is a completely uninvalidated rumor that I put out on Twitter just after our last show, and and I'm going to mention it here because it it bears it bears mentioning, and a lot of the, a lot of the, our listeners were tweeting back and saying, "Who is it? Who is it? Et cetera, et cetera." You know, I can't confirm it. I really don't have any contacts, guys. I'm telling you, this one just kind of fell on my lap. I promise you it's legitimate, but I can tell you that Brad Stevens is definitely recruiting somebody to be on his coaching staff with very close ties to Durant. So I think they're putting the pieces together for the play, and people shouldn't be disappointed if it doesn't happen this summer, because I do think it's unlikely that Kevin Durant will sign a long-term extension for all the reasons you mentioned, John. And so even that rumor I have, that doesn't mean said said coach is going to be coming this year either. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now they're committed to another team. And, you know, it a team that just went through a coaching change, no less. Um, but so you never know what's going to happen, but um, there's some things that are up in the air there, but that, That, that rumor may not even come to fruition for another 12 months either. Right. Right? Because it could all be tied together. So. Right.
1: um, Well, and that's the thing is like, we're all just trying to figure out, okay, when's the next piece? And, and you're right. And they could, they could punt on this summer, really, you know, for, you know, preserve the flexibility, wait till next year. The problem is, is that the, the number of teams you'll be competing with for any great player services is, is going to go up because all the great players are going to be back on the market. You know, it's LeBron, it's, it's uh, you know, Blake Griffin, and da-da-da-da-da. I mean, it's a long list next year. So, you know, in some ways, while a lot of teams have cap room, even more teams will have a ton of cap room in, in two years so or, or a year from now. So, I don't think it means you punt, and, and and I know this is not what you're saying, but they need to make some steps. There's going to have to be deals.
0: Yeah, the Jimmy Butler thing, it could be punting in free agency, exactly. but not punting with the pick or trade.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah, you'll lose a little bit of your cap space in doing so, the cap space is going to go up by another twenty million this you know next year. Um, I'm not saying this
0: summer. I'm saying you're going to lose your summer. cap space anytime you bring in a great player yeah. when you have a number of decent players all on healthy contracts. Right. And you know it's funny because if you look at Isaiah Thomas's season statistically, he's right up there with the best point guards in the league. Absolutely. He's he's just down on rebounds. Well, you know, no crap. He's five <laughs> nine, right? Right, right he you, right, right. you get points and assists. And you look at that team, he's right up there, you know. Yeah. The only person that's really separated themselves in the shooting guard uh, position is Westbrook and, and you know, Curry, which, if, you know, I know he's the point guard, but I still consider him a shooting guard, right? It's just that's the position he plays, and, they you know, he can distribute the ball and whatnot, but he's a shooting guard. You know, through and through. In his heart, he's a shooting guard who can distribute. And, and the way that the team plays and shoots so many threes. But it's interesting because you look at Isaiah Thomas, if he can hold those stats, he's a guy to play with. I mean, you know, he was not as bad defensively as we expected him to be. As a matter of fact, he was serviceable most of the year. Another interesting stat, I'm just, as I research that, because I'm kind of making a point here that I think they already have a piece. You add a Jimmy Butler, you've got two pieces. You can definitely start to build a team that could acquire a Kevin Durant. Those three pieces could be really good. You still get a number of picks coming in. But another interesting stack, just because we brought up Steph Curry and I I kind of researched this with my son over the weekend, and we were looking. Now, you'll never believe this, but Rajon Rondo and Russell Westbrook shot the same percentage from the field this season. <laughs> Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna one up that just another touch because the conversation was around. All right, well, what if Rondo took more shots? He took just under 11 shots per game. Mm-hmm. We said, well, what if Rondo took more shots? He'd score more points. And, and the dad head. You remember the dad head? Most of the listeners of that are new won't know who the dad had No question. Was, <laughs> you know, I used to go by Jughead, and so my dad was the dad <laughs> head. Uh, it's the first iteration of Celtics stuff live. And he said, well, I think if you scored more points, you'd have more assists. I just had to break it down for him. That's just not the way it works. If you take 10 more shots, that's 10 less assist o- opportunities. Even if you convert right. at a higher rate, you're not going up on the assist totals. But when we looked at it, he could have been on, you know, if Rondo could score the basket, could shoot and could do that, His numbers, if he brought his points up, could be on par or very close to Westbrook's. He doesn't have it. But here's what's interesting. This was the other stat. Steph Curry shot the same percentage and took the same number of shots as Rajon Rondo just from beyond the arc. (laughs) 45% from beyond the arc. 11 shots, 11 three-pointer attempts per game. So what Steph Curry can do from beyond the arc is what Rajon Rondo. Now, normally you would have said, well, Rajon can't shoot blah 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 blah. But then when you compare him to Russell Westbrook and say, look, you know, the shooting percentage is the same, then it makes that stat even crazier. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not, you know, all that relevant to the discussion, but it was just it was some interesting numbers I looked at as I was evaluating You know where is Isaiah Thomas? I know he's an All Star, but is he a guy as much as he's promised us he's going to recruit Durant? Right, he said that this week out at his event in Oregon back home, and you look at that, and he's saying he's recruiting. You have to almost qualify it. Is there weight there? He's first year, first time All Star. We know he's got a lovable personality, etc. But do players, are players convinced they can win a championship with him as a point guard? I think it's a legitimate question to ask, and. When you look at the, the, the stats from this year, i got to say quite possibly, yeah, quite possibly. I, I think the,
1: the old ideas of what smaller point guards are, you know, just because of the way the rules have changed, really take the shackles off of a guy like him. So you're not as limited by your size as you would have been five years ago, ten years ago, certainly 20 years ago. So it makes a lot of sense what you're saying in terms of where he fits in the hierarchy. You know, defensively, he's still not. You know, he's never going to be able to, you know, to defend at that high of a level because, you know, you can pass over him, you can shoot over him, and so forth. Um, But I think you're right. I think he is a piece. Now, is he a third best player? Probably. Has to be. But, you know, look at, to look be. at who the third best players are on some of the best teams right now. I mean you're talking okay, look at look at uh, San Antonio. Okay, let's talk. A team. Let's not talk about the Warriors for a second. Who's the third best player on this on the Spurs?
0: <laughs> let's not talk about the Warriors. That is the theme of this year's <laughs> NBA season. That's gonna. We're gonna have to package that up as a quote. We'll probably have to replay it for the next two <laughs> seasons. Every time we bring him up, it'll be. Let's not talk let's about.
1: Not the Warriors. talking about the Warriors, but no. I mean, seriously, you look at. You know, is he on par with who are we talking about? Forty-year-old Duncan is he on par with you know thirty whatever five year old Tony Parker. Uh, who is the third best player on the Spurs right now? I think he's as good as any of those third best players. Let's look at the Thunder. Who's the third best player on the Thunder? Adams? He's better than Adams. He's better than Waiters. He's better than Cantor. He's better than Ibaka, I would say. Um, you know, Warriors? Is he better than uh, Draymond? Probably not. No, is he better no. than Clay Thompson? Definitely not.
0: So, you know, yeah, okay. The Warriors are a little bit of a different story, but but they just set the record for NBA wins in a season. Right. So, he's definitely to compete for a championship. He's got to go to number three, and at no discredit to Isaiah Thomas and his ability, it, it has to be a credit to the depth and the ability to consolidate and develop talent on this roster. It's an absolute necessity. We, we're all right. So we've talked a little bit. About Duran and, and the free agency and the roster, we have to maybe talk a little bit more about uh, the Jimmy Butler conversation, maybe even the Blake Griffin conversation, yeah. but we definitely have to talk about Boogie Cousins because that one lied dormant until Chris moves up, and so we have to talk about we have to talk about that scenario and a couple of the trades, and then we have to talk about who you want to pick at number three and the movement with Draft Express and really dive into some of these players before we close out the show. Close out the show Before we do that, though, just want to remind everybody to download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. All you have to do is go to your app marketplace and search CLNS Radio. Don't forget the YouTube channel. I already brought that up. Larry H. Russell with an excellent piece. It's already gotten over 2,000 views, so definitely a very popular video and a brief one. You can watch it in less than 10 minutes, but that YouTube channel always has high definition, full length locker room interviews, and of course, the Garden Report. We also have to talk, John, before we close out the show about the Draft Night Show, because we're bringing it back. We've been gone for three or four years, but the Draft Night Show is coming back. Never a better year to bring back. I think we're at least going to go four hours on Draft Night. <laughs> Tentatively, right now, we're scheduled 7 to 11. We've had, Ooh. we've been known to have, <laughs> Remember when we were going to do that the first time, and the next thing you know, Mike Gorman's on at 12.30 a.m.? I do. Wasn't it 12.30? Yeah. It was definitely no, after a right. 11. Yeah, it I was, drove it home. It was like midnight-ish. I remember driving home from your place after that at like, yeah, oh, dark 30. <laughs> oh, dark 30. It was yeah. rough. <laughs> it, it was brutal, but a ton of fun, and, and that that draft show really put Celtics Stuff Live on the map. We secured one of our biggest sponsors after that was GoldRarities.com. I think you remember Al Pinkall, big season ticket holder. I think he was two or three rows back from Wick. Um, he's since sold his company and moved out. I think he moved out to Texas, so I, I don't think he goes to the games anymore. But he was part of big reason why Celtics Stuff Live could do what it did back in the day, covering those, those Kevin Garnett, Paul Pearson, Ray Allen, Rondo, Perkins teams, uh, we enjoyed it a lot, and, and I only bring it up because we have a sponsor for this show as well. Loot Crate, a great way to support Celtics stuff live is to look at at Crate if you're interested. It's a monthly subscription box service for geeks, nerds, comic book lovers, pop culture aficionados. It's less than $20 a month, but subscribers will receive a mystery box containing at least $45 worth of collectibles, figurines, apparel, memorabilia, etc. And they're all theme-based. So June's theme is exploring ways that things can go wrong with dystopia, featuring classics like RoboCop. You remember RoboCop, John? Absolutely. Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and The Matrix. So, along with some new favorites that I'm not familiar with, but Bioshock Infinite and Fallout 4, I am familiar with Fallout. I have a PlayStation 4, but they've got a figure, cool collectibles, and dystoporific, and a dystoporific monthly fee. So, all you have to do, you can save just by being a supporter of Celtic Stuff Live, just head over to lootcrate.com backslash CLNS. You enter in the promo code CLNS and you'll save three dollars on any new subscription. So again, I know that Michael, our new best friend on Twitter, (laughs) actually tweeted at us that he's going to get a Loot Crate subscription just to support the show, so thank you very much for that, Michael. And he has the question that is going to set up the next segment, so we'll just hit this right away. He says, is Chris just there moving up to number three to see if the Kings would trade Boogie for the third pick? And how many picks do you think Boston will come out with? Oh, no, that's another question. We'll hit that in a minute. So I think that's kind of the obvious thing, right? right. He, we've already seen these articles about Marquise Chris wanting to play in Sacramento, almost with the tone of, yeah, don't pick me early. I'd rather go number eight. I can't believe that's true.
1: Yeah, no, I,
0: I first of all
1: I I think Chris is uh, a consideration for the Celtics just based upon need based upon the way that the game is going I, I mean that's that that's the thing I mean you don't want to draft for need but when you look at the where the NBA game is gone it's the reason why you draft Terry Rozier even though you already have a raft full of guards on your team already it's the the league is guards and and swing forwards and players who can do multiple skills and and can shoot. Well, Rozier not as not as skilled a shooter certainly, but certainly has the speed that you need in today's NBA. Chris has the jaw-dropping athleticism and the shot. So there are reasons for the Celtics to draft him. But as you said, and you and I have this kind of brief chat about this on Twitter the other day. Uh at C S L underscore Justin at CSL underscore Duke in case you care. Um look at you. Yeah.
0: Look at you. you. Know, hey. I like it. Hey,
1: you know, let's throw that in there. Um you know we are chatting about this stuff the other day and I read Sean Devney's piece, which was unfortunately we we weren't able to bring Sean on because he was uh traveling with the finals and everything and our schedules didn't work out this weekend. But Nevertheless, you start putting two and two together, and I think four leads you to believe, just as you said, he wants to go to Sacramento. Sacramento seems to want him. You've got the third pick. It doesn't seem like right now there's a number of different mock drafts that don't have him getting all the way back down to to Sacramento's eighth pick anymore. In fact, draft Express expresses Jamal Murray down there right now. What better way than... What is the only way, I should say, what is the only way that Sacramento could go into that building, that new building, and say, well, we don't have our star center, our all-star center who's burned many, many bridges in the city of Sacramento, uh, caused a lot of upheaval. The only way you can do that is you bring home the local kid, a raft of draft picks, young players, And you build excitement that way. Now, it's not traditional. It's not, you know, the way you'd you'd probably generally draw it up. But you can see the logic there, I think. I think you can see the logic there of making a kind of deal where you take three other picks, other assets, and you
0: get Boogie Cousins in Boston. Now, remember, Mike Gorman said he wanted no part of That's that. That's right. And we talked about culture, yep. and it's an interesting move, and you're absolutely right. If I don't understand why else Marquise Chris jumping that high makes sense. It makes sense for the Celtics, right? Mm-hmm. If they're going to pick at number three, why not gamble? I mean, why do the safe play? They have all kinds of players on that roster that are the safe plays. They really are. They do. Right? That's right. They just wind up picking this is why I'm not so sure about Buddy Healed, other than the fact that he could kind of do not exactly a Steph Curry thing, but my point is because he could shoot beyond the arc, because he has disgusting range, he's a four year player, but he could have he could potentially have the same type of upside that Steph Curry did after he spent four years in college, right? Mm-hmm. There's a chance. There's a chance. It's really just not as high of a chance it's not, but that's why I don't think that players like even Denzel Valentine that everybody likes buddy healed I just are they the high risk high reward situation that actually vaults the Celtics? you almost wonder next year is supposed to be such a great draft the 18th you know uh, 2018 should still be a good pick. This is the biggest roll of the dice kind of a draft. Maybe you should go with it. Maybe you should be rolling the dice. You should be going Jalen Brown, Marquise Chris. You've got to. You've got to. You've got to, even Dragon Bender falls into that. Young, who knows what's going to happen? I think you got to roll the dice with one of those types of prospects if you're not going to move the pick. I, I understand the the reasoning behind making the safe pick. But does it really push this team forward? But if you get Jalen Brown and he winds up being, you know, Jay Crowder but better, you know, and that there's there's a way to upgrade the talent, that's great. If you get Marquise Chris and he's Draymond Green kind of, you know, morphed into an even more explosive athlete, but maybe not as strong, then you win. But you that's I think you have to I think you have to gamble in this draft. I think that's what this draft is all about. And in that, in the whole mold of maybe trading, I'm all about trading for Boogie Cousins. I'm not sure. I understand the attitude thing, but I don't think that this. The reason I say I'm all about it is because I don't think the Celtics would bring him in if they didn't think that they could manage his his personality. Right. Well, and the other thing that Mike Mike is, we love
1: Mike, right? Is there anybody we love more? I, I sound like Donald Trump here right now. We love Mike, right? Is there anyone better than than,
0: than Mike Gorman? <laughs> Mike Gorman right? is a friend of mine. He's
1: great. He's great. He's the best. He's the best. Um, anyway, you know, he, no, he, we love Mike, right? But, I mean, and, and he would admit this, and he admitted this today with Toucher and Rich. You know, he didn't want to do the deal for Al Jefferson, you know, the Al Jefferson KG deal. He didn't want to do it. So, <laughs> you know Mike likes the guys that we've got and that's okay but that's not necessarily Danny's willing to take the bigger swings we know that he's a he's a risk taker he's a gambler and you look at the look at the players that are out there right now and yes the league is getting smaller yes you need guards on every post you need everybody who can shoot you need three point shooters everywhere but it's still the hardest thing in the world to get a skilled big man. If you get a skilled big man, everything else takes care of itself. And that's the thing about Boogie, is that that's what's so tantalizing about him. He has all these skills that you can't find anywhere. Go, Yeah, okay, we're going to max out Al Horford. Well, that sounds like a, just a fine idea for a 30-year-old player to give him $120 million. You know, I mean, it's just like... That type of deal doesn't – it's not a good deal. You know, why overpay in salary, to to echo what what Steve Bolpet was saying, might as well overpay in assets. And that's why that deal makes a lot more sense to me. Because even if he he flames out, you're still going to be able to move him. This is not a Kevin Love situation. The guy can play. Uh, All
0: right, here's my question. Is Boogie Cousins on Kevin Durant's list?
1: I, boy, I can't imagine.
0: I, I can't
1: even. <laughs> which is why I bring it they up. They both played USA basketball together, and that, that USA basketball stuff is, you know, those guys, they go to war, you know, and, and Boogie, from all accounts, Tibbs um, has nothing but great things to say about Boogie. Everybody, Coach K, everybody sings his praises, so you get him out of that morass, that ugly situation and you would put him around players that want to win that are driven you have stability top to bottom I really think he's a different guy is he night and day different no but look at Rondo here we had issues we had to hear the stuff and talk radio and all that that's not going away no matter what you do with him but Rondo whether it was for Doc or whether it was for, for Brad Stevens in a really tough situation Rondo performed here. So the bright lights, the big stage of Boston brought
0: those guys to a higher level. Well, hold on. The professionalism, let's just be real. This organization is run very well. Right. Very well. I have a feeling that when somebody goes and talks to a player, they've done their homework. Now you flip that script and go over to Sacramento. Do you believe that the conversations are happening top to bottom out there, that the that the homework has been done? I just I think about it as far as like a justification. I I think that they're it's not that they're over cautious with their words. I just think they do their homework before they go and try to say to a player, listen, you need to consider this or let's try this. And and I'm not even so sure that Boogie Cousins, just based on – remember when we were in Mexico City and he fell asleep in the second quarter and never woke up? (laughs) I'm not sure that he needs to have the attention on him. I think that he can share the limelight. I don't think that's his issue. No,
1: no, I think it's winning. I think wanting to be in a situation where players are going to win. And if you can put him with a Kevin Durant, and you can put him with an Isaiah Thomas – I think you've got two guys who are one very positive in, in Isaiah Thomas and, and, and two in the case of KD driven.
0: And I So like a Rashid Wallace Portland to Detroit situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You you're in I mean, very good player, very talented, but you put him around solid veteran players who who have a sense of what to do, you know, a coach who knows what to do. And you get success out of that. And, you know, she never would have shot his way out of there had everything else not fallen around him in Detroit. Um, you know, I really do think that
0: he actually was better in a role where he had to share, again, share the limelight. Not that he wasn't sharing a little bit in Portland, but remember the train wreck that Portland was at that right. era? Jailblazers. Jailblazers. Yeah. And probably the Kings aren't even as bad. Right. The Kings are poorly run organization, but they're definitely not the jailblazers. Absolutely not.
1: No, no. But, well, <laughs> maybe not. At, at, yeah, you're right. Actually, I was just going to say maybe I thought at the ownership level, but there was, it was bad at that level too at that point. I, I think that the other thing that this kind of came up today, and it, this is something that came up with Larry H. Russell, but it was something I thought about. I used to think the other way, but now I've kind of gone – kind of changed my mind about it. And it, it goes to the, the issue of the deal with, with Charlotte, right? We're talking about the deal with Charlotte and, you know, Danny's going to throw four first round number one picks to try to get Justice Winslow. And I always was like, you know, let's not get on Danny for that. I mean, there's no proof that that was the deal. And when you actually hear the deal, it doesn't sound as bad as four number one draft picks. But there is a, there is a flip side to this one yes it makes danny look desperate but it also gives gms perhaps a sense of well maybe i can swindle danny maybe danny this mythical idea that danny can't be swindled and he's looking to to screw everyone out of a deal it it kind of the worm has kind of turned a bit maybe and people are looking at jordan and saying why didn't you take four first-round picks for Frank freaking Kaminsky? You know, I mean, you probably still got him at 16. So it's kind of interesting. That, that was
0: such a stupid move. It would have been.
1: But, but, you know, it's great, though, in a way, because now as you're entering the draft this year and you're Danny Ainge and you're going to make deals, they're probably thinking in their minds, Jesus, if I can get a package like that, if I can get him to – You know, I'm not afraid that he's going to screw me here. I may be in a great position to deal with this guy. Uh, I
0: see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Because that was the one that got away. Right. That that was the one that they blew that that they could have had him. It was that they were reluctant to pull the trigger. Right. Right. That's a great point. Speaking of Charlotte, though, let me throw something else at you, because I like where you're going with that. Hopefully that – Hopefully that pulls it back together a little bit, but but I gotta since you mentioned Charlotte, I gotta ask you Michael's question because I looked this up uh, and he did another. He had three questions for us, but he said, "Do you think Batum is worthy of a max contract?" And I'm going a big hell no. But I wonder what you think. I mean, I just I look at the could he be a nice piece? Yes, but is that the again? We're just trying to solve problems. Batum's a nice player, but he's not going to lead the Celtics to the promised land in my opinion. Does he bring some perimeter shooting? Does he solve some problems? Absolutely. There's just only so much room on this roster. Only five guys can be on the floor at the same time. You need to move (laughs) way up. We have to think bigger than Batum in my opinion. But I want to know what your thoughts
1: are. Well, uh, yeah, I think
0: if you could get a deal I wouldn't be afraid to max
1: him out for, for a shorter term contract but that's the that's the rub there it's it he's kind of, i kind of view him the same why
0: shorter term he's 20 i mean why shorter term he's 27 because so flex, you've got flexibility is what
1: i i would crave more than anything if i'm not going to get kevin durant i want flexibility i want to be able i want the ability to either trade the the player that i'm i'm signing or be able to be rid of his contract soon enough so i'm going back to the market either to re-sign or what have you I don't think he's going to accept that kind of deal, perhaps, because I think there are going to be places they're going to give him, you know, a hundred and twenty, one hundred and forty million dollars. You really think he's going to get a max deal just because the cap goes up? Well, because and because there aren't many there aren't a lot of teams that there's a lot of money out there. There aren't a lot of players who can make it make a difference for teams. And also Players at that position are a bit of a premium. You know, you, it's hard to find small forwards who can do those things, who can shoot, who can
0: pass. So, would you put Jay Crowder on the bench to put Batum in the starting lineup? No,
1: because I think I think
0: that your best lineup is probably
1: both of those guys on the floor.
0: So you're gonna move. You're gonna do the Jay Crowder the four, yeah. or are you gonna put Batum at the two and try to have an oversized shooting guard? Either way, I, no, 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 no. I no, you move.
1: But two him up or, or, or J up to the four and go that way. Yeah. yeah. Cause, because you have all these guards on the roster. I mean, assuming you aren't making a trade, you have all these
0: guards on the roster. You know. All right, so let's do this. Durant's not around this summer. Right? Let's just pretend it's off the table. Yeah. Okay? The trade for Jimmy Butler happens. So that way we do this whole consolidation move. Bradley's out. Butler's in. They've taken a step. Now, do you want to wait till next year? And keep that cap space and try to bring in a Durant because you're not going to have the room. Well, I guess no, right? The rumored, the proposed rumor keeps Crowder on the roster. Right. So you wait a year, or do you sign Batum to this four years? What it's sounding like cap max, you know, max deal. I think and then our- have that off because how? Where does where does Durant who who gets benched? If you bring in Durant next summer, after bringing in Batum and and playing Crowder and Batum at the three-four, well, you're trading them. You know, you really you're not going to keep both of those
1: guys. You're going to move somebody to to make that happen. But you're right. It, I mean, you shouldn't get him. There is a block there by by going for Batum. I mean, he does create. You can you can play Crowder and Batum. You can play Durant and Crowder. You can't play. Current Batum and Crowder. It's just that that won't work, you know. Exactly. Um, that's the you know one of those three. But that's also you know kind of wishing and hoping. The thing is, is that okay? You've got these two max slots, and and really in my mind, in an ideal world, one of those is dedicated to a big, and one of those is dedicated to a small forward. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in an ideal world, that's what you would have. Because that's really where this team's weakness is. We, it's not just Atlanta. <laughs> we saw it all through the season that when you didn't have a set big man rotation you could rely upon for, for long stretches or, or basically have to go small because you had nobody on, there on the floor who could, who could play the, the four or the five. It's, it, they would go small not just because it worked, but also because they, had, they didn't have any better options on the roster. So if they can answer that question with a Boogie Cousins trade, for example, that, that, then, then you could do anything with the rest of the roster. You know, you could, you could go get Boogie Cousins, and then, like you said, you still have cap space to sign Durant. I mean, that's an ideal, ideal situation, I guess. But to me, the big is almost the, the, the A number one, apart from Durant. That's the thing you got to get out of this summer, whether it's Whiteside, whether it's Horford on a shorter deal. But, you know, and then in a much lesser category, I suppose, you know, someone like Batum just to fill the small forward
0: need. But then I don't like that. It, that makes it, me sick it, to my stomach. Yeah. dude. It creates other problems, right? It's just not enough upside to it. He's not a max player. He might get a no. max deal, but he's not a max player. Yeah. And that's something that the Celtics organization, not only did they historically not do it, they basically came right out and said they're not going to do it. I bet Batum is out, 100%. And I know we're coming up on the end of the show, too. So I want to ask Michael's last question and get back to the draft and sort of our favorites and maybe take stock of where we stand and some of the things that have happened. But he says how many How many of the picks do you think the Celtics will keep? And I'm going to reframe it a little bit and just say, how many draft picks do you think the Celtics will make on draft night? So that way we can throw out the considerations of, well, if it gets consolidated, well, if it doesn't get consolidated, then second-round picks are going to get stashed. Just how many selections do you think the Celtics are walking away with on draft night? (laughs)
1: Boy. Um... I wouldn't I would say they'll have less than half of the ones that I have three or four, yeah
0: I was gonna that's where, right where I'm at. I think four and and two go on to this draft and stash kind of thing, yeah, you know because you're gonna the ones are gonna make that'll that'll draft and like the extra ones are gonna make are likely to be in the second round, and there's even a couple in the first round. That, you know, at, with the last pick that they have in that first round, that they could definitely go draft and stash with that. So that pick and one of the second rounders. And then if they make a consolidation move, I think they're more likely to use those second round picks and do draft and stash. I think they're all about building. I think they're, I think they're about to do something unique. Mm -hmm. And I think they're all about using every developmental tool to hold on to players. That's absolutely possible. And if they get just one you know, second rounder to pay off big and the teams that are making hay have done it. Yep. Right? Yep. They've done it. I think the Celtics are doing this crazy thing where they are, you know, Marcus Thornton's, you know, what is he in Australia? Is that where he uh, is? Uh yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Australia. Yep.
0: So Marcus Thornton's in Australia, and then, you know, they had uh, Colton Iverson, who I, I don't think they have the rights to anymore, right? They, they let that one go, but uh, but they stashed him. I, I can just – I think that that's their whole aim is that they're just getting more and more of those types of players so that they can swing the fence, swing for the fence on one of them, and at some point, you know, they get – you know, well, Draymond Green was a second-round pick. Yep. At some point – they hit on one like that and it changes the, the fortunes of the franchise or it helps them transition as whatever players that they have now start to get older. You know, if they, if they sign a Durant and then they make a consolidation move and all that, the team gets older, right? So as that team gets older, if they can hit on a couple of these draft and stashers or second-round picks, that they just hold on to the rights without taking up roster space, even a Jordan Mickey. I'm not saying Jordan Mickey's going to be the guy, but I'm saying all of those types of players. If they can just hit on some of them, mm-hmm. then they have a really good chance at, at extending any kind of championship window that they can build in the meantime.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And you look at the at the best player. I mean, it's not just Draymond. It's 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 DeAndre Jordan. It's uh, you know, I mean. Danny Green, I mean, although, you know, he wasn't a pick of the Spurs, but, you know, there's a lot of second-round picks. Uh, Chandler Parsons, I mean, we go on and on and on down the list. There are guys out there who could could be very helpful, and you're right. I mean, you, you know, you've got the Red Claws, you've got great coaches. You can create those situations. Maybe it is. Maybe Jordan Mickey is one of those guys. But you know, they say that the depth in this draft is is about fifteen to to forty five. Like there is just that's where it's almost the meat
0: and potatoes.
1: Yeah, those right. You you can find players. Who can who can play for your team right now? It's not a, it's not a top heavy draft. It's a draft where you've got those meat and potatoes guys in the middle of draft, and you can find players there. So where does and the Celtics have in that area? Have five picks. They're not going to take all of them. There's there's just no reason to do that. But there's this is a very strong international draft, which helps draft and stash they can draft and stash college players as as you and I talked about um and but the other thing is is that even if they do even if they take three or four guys they're going to have to do something with the players in the roster cuz they're they're chock a block full right now so whether it's James Young, RJ Hunter, Rozier who I don't think is going to go anywhere. I think after that playoff performance they're going to want to see what he's capable of next season. Um there's, there's, there's no telling what, what direction they'll go in, but you've got to believe there will be some consolidated moves, even if they're minor moves. There'll be some moves just to to see what's out there. But the Celtics, one thing the Celtics do better than any other team is they get value out of nothing. They've, that's how they've gotten to this point. Mike Zarin and, and Danny Ainge, but particularly Zarin has taken they'll find a way to squeeze out that extra second round pick or find ways to to you know just add you know get a little bit of cash you know a little bit of cash thrown in so that way they can get an extra second round pick or do those little things to add up and this is when you're going to have five wax at, at third uh, at second round picks and you're going to have three wax at a, at a first round pick at some point either you consolidate those and get you know those three nickels become uh, you know a dime and a nickel or you know something else so there's they have they're going to have opportunities they're going to have many opportunities they these picks do have value the third pick does have value despite what people were saying early on just by judging from from what the Philly rumor was with Okafor, or excuse me, with Noel and uh, and Jeff Teague, the third pick has real value, folks. So don't no no more of this "woe is me" crap. All right, that we've got something to do here, man. That there there are opportunities, and they can get real players here in this draft, um, either through the draft or through trade with the picks
0: in the draft. I mean, I think even a guy like Scalibicciere. Am I saying that yeah, right? Yeah. LeBissier, yeah. LeBissier, he could even fall. Absolutely. He's he's a gamble, kind of, and that's a that's a player I can see if he, if he falls to that, you know, pick, was it pick 13? Yeah. Um, if he falls down to 13, 16, thank yeah. you. I knew 13 was wrong. Um, that was Marcus Banks. See how he come full circle? <laughs> Marcus Smart, Marcus Banks, yeah. <laughs> so, 6 to 13. Um, so, you know the uh, the sixteenth pick. I he could fall. He could fall. There could be, to your point. There's some depth there. There's some gambles in here. It's pretty interesting. So let's let's wrap the show on this. Okay. Who's your favorite at number three? If I know your favorite is Brandon Ingram, right? Because <laughs> you're hoping somebody's going to leapfrog. And I'm not. Look, Chris could even leapfrog. For all we know. nobody knows, right? Bender. Nobody. Yeah. Bender could leapfrog, even Jalen Brown could leapfrog. We just don't know. <laughs> right, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get my butt kicked because <laughs> I I already my Jalen Brown love is is probably only supported by Mark Spears and his article. But <laughs> yeah, I I, I got a lot of Twitter hate for 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 my my Jalen Brown love. But people are but people get they do fall in love
1: with these guys. Before I answer this, I mean it's. Honestly, there's no rational reason to love a player or not love a player. I mean, you can say why you don't think, but people do become very attached to Draft Express profiles, YouTube
0: videos, and Kevin O'Connor's yeah. draft guide. I Absolutely. mean, I'm looking at it. You know what I'm looking at right now too. I just talked about it before we started recording, but you and Everybody already knows my answer to the question is Jalen Brown. Yeah, you know that that's the guy I'm locked in on. But I, I will bring something up from from Kevin O'Connor's draft guy that that is funny but but why don't you tell me who who is your guy mm. who is your guy at number 3 if we make the assumption Simmons and Ingram are not available trade can I trade can, can I pass nope no. nope there's no there's no moves to be made now you can't say this yeah. this is the player I think we should select because I think we could trade them after they've proven something some point before the trade deadline, you, you can play that angle if you want. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I, I'll,
1: I'll say, I mean, I think to me right now it's Bender or Chris, and that's not just because they're at the top of the of the board, but just as, as I've been watching Chris, I think he's, you know, people are talking, well, he's a power forward, he's this and that. You know what he is? is he's Harrison Barnes. That to me is what I see, Marquis Chris. Is more athleticism, not as much skill, but he's Harrison Barnes. He looks, he you know, walks like Harrison Barnes. He's got that same kind of upright style,
0: long, lanky. Yep. Kind of, yep he's no a doubt. player
1: for for the next. You know, he's he's a player for the way the game is being played right now. Um, I can see where Bender could be that player. I could see, but it's a the problem with Bender is that you're. If you take him, he's not a tradable asset for two more years. And I'm not sure the sellers can afford that. I think Chris is going to take time, but there's a possibility if his shot starts to fall early on in his career, you know, this year, they find a way. He could he could be one of those guys where it's just it just clicks. Um, now, he's only played the ball five years, so it's probably unlikely,
0: but... Stranger things have happened. That's actually the reason I like him. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot to be said about his upside, upside because he hasn't played organized basketball. If he's a learner and he's already been able to learn this much without, you know, growing up with a ball in his hand, right. then then there's a really good chance that his um, growth or development chart could be substantially it could be it could be an exponential growth chart yep. it also could mean that you know he's been getting by on his talent and this is as far as he's going to go but but i think it's probably more likely the latter since he's climbed at, up into the lottery as a pick you just don't get into the lottery simply on talent talent alone yeah. i mean you get close you can definitely get close and this is a weak draft but you've got to have some discernible skills that and and you know those are things that you learn. So maybe maybe that's where he's at. So you everybody knows I'm locked in on Jalen Brown. I'm not moving. I'm not budging. I'm staunch. <laughs> I won't be upset if somebody else gets drafted, <laughs> right? But I I just I'm a firm believer that you make a stance. You fall in love with a player. You call your shot. You can shout out your Twitter hate at me at CSL <laughs> underscore Justin. I will take the butt kicking. However. One thing that you and I noticed right before the show that is sort of interesting is that first off he's he's right-handed but if but in looking at Kevin O'Connor's draft guide and looking at the shot shot zone chart he's atrocious going to the right mm-hmm. I just can't even – and one thing we can't see is the number of shots, right? All we see is percentages. So there's a chance that he never went to the left. He always went to the right, and he was just atrocious all the time going to the right. But 9% on the right right baseline, 14% at the right elbow, 10% right corner three. The right wing three is okay at 30%, and it's kind of in line with everything else on his shot chart. His left corner three is 42%. That's one I don't understand. From all the other spots, I understand the difference between right and left, but and, and I understand the corner's still different, just position where you are, but because you're closer to the basket in the corner, it doesn't make any sense to me that he shoots his best percentage, 42% in the left corner and 10% in the right corner three. That doesn't make any sense. It also doesn't make any sense that if the percentages are fairly equal in terms of attempts, from the left side versus the right side. I mean, the draft express, I think you saw it, their write-up says that he needs to get better going to his left. Mm-hmm. But he's successful shooting to the left, so he probably has a horrible handle. Maybe those are set shots, or you know, maybe there's a certain type of shot that he's shooting from the left side that's not what he's shooting from the right side. But it is the bizarrest thing, like you said, when we talked before we air you could draw a line right down the middle of that shot zone, and the right side is all bad, bad, bad red, and then the left side's all gravy. I I did not watch, I maybe watched one of Cal's games because they didn't get into the tournament, and I don't watch a lot of college basketball until the tournament. Maybe somebody who listens to the show could tell us you know, what they saw. If they, maybe they watched enough games that they can explain, explain the shot zone, or maybe better yet, we'll get with Kevin O'Connor and ask him the same question as a guest in the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. Well, we've, we've, Kevin, we've, we've been missing on dates and times and we're hoping to, you know, maybe get him in real soon. So hopefully that, as you said, that will, that will happen. Um, he, he's, you know, I think there's a lot to like about Brown. The thing about Brown, and and this is, this is why I'm, I used to read everything. I used to, you know, all the draft stuff and, read every mock draft and every change. I, But you know what I'm, I've, I've come to believe now is that so much of this is about the interviews. It's about knowing the person, knowing the player, trying to figure out what type of worker they're going to be to whether or not they're going to fit into Brad Stevens system. And, and I say that because Brad, Ste- not in that Brad Stevens is rigid in his system, but that he is uh, you know, this is a person who's going to come in, work hard, defend, um, you know, try to get better at the game of basketball. And I think that, you know, sometimes you just take a player because he's talented and he's got a lot of athletic ability. Um, I think if the Celtics take someone, it's because they've talked to him, they feel good about their background, they feel good about where they're headed. I think Terry Rozier is a great example of that. I think Marcus Smart is another great example of that. I don't think James Young was a great example of that, and I don't think um, you know we, we, we're, the jury's still out, I guess, on R.J. Hunter and, and 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 Mickey. Although I think Mickey probably will be a plus as, as
0: a second round pick,
1: I think that I'm down on Hunter. Just so you know,
0: yeah, I mean, we'll get we can get into it, but I'm
1: down on yeah, Hunter. no, you know, and I don't think yeah, I mean, we'll save that one probably for summer league because I think that's he's got to show some things there, but. Um, They've got, this is where they're going to learn who these players are and what you know. What sort of work ethic are they going to have coming into it. Are they going to try to transform themselves? Are they going to be another Jared Sullinger? Are they going to be, um, you know, try to get better? Are they going to, are they going to work and work and work? And uh, I think we've seen with Rosier and, and with Smart, certainly those two guys have taken their opportunities and improved. Um, Under Brad Stevens' tutelage, Marquis Chris, he could be that guy. I don't know. So far, his the book on him is he doesn't defend a lick. Um, You know, Bender has what supposedly is a bit of a nasty streak, but you know, he's been playing in a European system, and, and it's very different coming over here. That would be big, a big, big transition. Again, that's about talking to a player. That's about trying to figure out their personality types. And I think that's where we are right now as a team, or as 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 fans, is trying to figure out who are these guys and what type of players. Not how they play, not their statistics. We can look all that stuff up now, but you know, are they the type they're going to want to go to war with you? Jalen Brown seems like the type of guy that's going to want to go to war with him.
0: That's why I like him. Work ethic and attitude. I think he's. I just think he's stubborn. I think he's so stubborn that he won't be able to. What I don't want is to draft one of these high-upside guys who gets a paycheck and is lazy. Right. And maybe that's just me reading a lot of these articles. And just, and, and I agree with the people who, will, who love Dragon Bender and counter that, because the articles put Bender in that category as well. But I just like the aggressiveness. I know that all of the write-ups say aggressive to a fault, but no player in the NBA that's been a dominant player wasn't aggressive. Yeah. That you don't pick your spots every time and do it perfectly as you're learning the game. When you're becoming a dominant force in the league, you're forcing things. And they say it all the time through the first three years of a player's career. Just seems like he's forcing it. Eh, looked like he forced it there. You hear that all the time. They're trying to force the offense. You know, they're they're forcing the issue. Well, that I think once you come out on the other side of it, if you're smart, the problem is when you're forcing the issue and you're not intellectually capable of taking feedback and adjusting, it's a problem. Everything I'm getting from Jalen Brown makes me think that his flaws will be corrected because he's determined, because he has work ethic, because I think that he's intelligent enough to continue to work on making those changes. The only downside, and I'm going to give Kevin O'Connor another thing. Another little plug is on CSN, they did a little write-up on Jalen Brown and and took some of his comments. And this part, I'll say, is well taken. There is an opportunity for somebody who is hardworking and intellectual and very serious to overthink their way through something and then not be successful. Mm -hmm. That is certainly a possibility for a player like Jalen Brown, but I still doubt it. There's just a character thing here that I think is in alignment with the organization. What did he say, John? I know I quoted it earlier. but I don't know. I, I
1: butchered the quote and said it was, he, he was having a mind meld with Danny Ainge. A
0: mind meld. But that, that wasn't was what like he, he said. But it was something
1: effective. You know, he was, they, they had a connection, a good connection. And, and you made a comparison earlier tonight. You know, it's the Rondo thing. Rondo and Danny Ainge were tight. There was a lot there between those two guys. Danny really appreciated Rondo and what he did, and he's, he was mercurial. He was odd. He was strange. He was special, though. You can't argue with what he was able to do before his injury, what he was able to do. The problem was is he was also too damn stubborn to improve in the areas he needed to to become a player, but also the, the game changed around him, too. But he wasn't flexible enough
0: within that. Um I'm hoping there's lessons there. He he got established too quickly. What's that? He, he got established too quickly. That's. I think the reason for the lack of flexibility is he had success very early as a young player. He didn't have to go through the losing seasons that Paul Pierce did. Paul Pierce's game had to change, right? He didn't go through the losing streaks that Ray Allen did. If you really think about it, by year three, Rajon Rondo was on top of the world, yep. right? So I think that he may have been a product of that scenario as well. Yes, he's headstrong, and probably uh, Jalen Brown is also headstrong to some extent. Um, The quote, just to correct it, was that Jalen Brown said that he had a surreal connection with Danny Ainge. But I could see that. You think about the way Danny played. I mean, does does what we're describing right now sound all that different than Danny Ainge as a player? Yep, no. No, I mean... I don't know. Danny was more of a petulant
1: punk than you know I i were different type I mean, Danny wasn't a defensive guy and you know, he was athletically gifted but is more of a shooter, is what he kinda transitioned into.
0: I'm thinking more along the lines of the aggressive headstrong piece.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean I think his outlook on the game probably was was very similar, I though I think physicality played a much bigger role than you know, I think Ainge was more of a pest. You know, it was more of a scrap, a scrappiness than a physicality. He was like a dirt dog. Well, yeah, yeah, and 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 with when you know, kind of looking at at smart, smart, and you know, Crowder and Brown, much more from the physical side of of the game, as opposed to maybe like a, an Avery Bradley. And so, in terms of modern, I mean, certainly. Bradley uses his body but but he's much more of a scrap there's a scrappiness to his defense. Um not to dis you know, not to find some way to discredit that, obviously, first team all defense. But I think you know, you get my point there. There's a there's a physicality that, that Brown brings, his you know, his athleticism that um is I think what, what really salivates GMs like Ainge. You know and i and I think you're right his outlook on on life and his outlook on the game when that vibes with what Danny's thinking, um it makes it hard for him to pass up for sure, yep, no
0: doubt, all right, I think we gotta wrap the show amazingly, without a guest, we still crossed well over the one hour mark that we're always targeting, but this is an exciting time of the year, and we've only got well, I guess sixteen days by the time this airs, sixteen days. Before the draft, so it's coming right up. Definitely more details to come about our draft night show. Like I said, it's going to be a long night. We're going to be here the whole way through it, taking your calls. We're lining up guests, and that's going to wrap this show. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app, as well as on radio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. A big thanks to everybody who listened to the show this week, and you can help support as a reminder by subscribing on Celt- subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher, and we'd love it if you just gave us a rating on the show. Some feedback would be excellent. It's important to us because we want to know how to improve the show, what you're like and what you don't like, other than the fact that you don't like my love for Jalen Brown. No, 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 that's fine. I'm a fair target at CSL underscore Justin. Keep keep it coming. I, I love the friendly banner on, on Twitter. I don't mind taking the taking the heat. Uh, as a reminder. The show has been brought to you by Loot Crate, and they have a great deal for all of you listeners. Most importantly, you'd be supporting our show and the CLNS Radio Network. All you have to do to save is go to lootcrate.com and use the promo code CLNS. That's right. We'll save you $3 on your subscription. A big thanks to all of you loyal CLNS Radio listeners who make this all worthwhile. And for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, and the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso. For my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtics Stuff Live.
1: Celtic Stuff Live.